Hey everybody, this is Kendra. This is April. And you're listening to Nocturnal Distraction. Yes, you are. Um, we are distracted today. A little bit. By life. By life. Ooh. I blame it on the full moon yesterday, the weather changing, barometric pressures. Blame it on life. <laughs> Mercury was just out of retrograde. Yeah. I, I like to refer to it as either brain fog or I was telling April, it's like, it's like when your nose is completely congested and you can't breathe air in or out of it, only it's like in my brain. It's like my brain... My brain is stuffed up instead of my nose being stuffed up. So, like, nothing is going in or out very easily. Like, a little bit, but, like, not enough to sustain life. Not enough to sustain life. And I... I mean, obviously, there's enough to sustain some life, but not a lot of life. Not a whole lot. And I explained my brain the last few days of, like, it's a cartoon, right? You think of that cartoon character that they zoom into their brain and the brain has been shrunk and it's just itty bitty and it's just bouncing all over the head. It's just empty. Yeah. That's what it felt like. And I felt dizzy and like there was nothing there. Yeah. So I've got like a cotton ball slash nose congested brain, which is why nothing got recorded for me last week. And I have a nothing brain because there's no, nothing. you just have a little tiny brain. I got a little tiny acorn brain. You have like the brain the size of a brain that's in a man's penis. Yes. That kind of a brain. Yes. And it's just floating and foggy. And whenever I go to think about it or talk about it, I just see a cartoon character. I always see cartoons. I like, I just feel like I told her like, you know, the prefrontal cortex where like all the thinking goes on, like right there in the center of your forehead. Like it just Stop. centers my forehead inside of my forehead <laughs> feels like a stuffed up nose right now and i keep thinking maybe it's just a stuffed up nose so i keep like Blowing. nasal spraying my nose and like i can breathe but like for some reason for some reason it's not unstuffing my brain i don't understand right. you could breathe you just can't think yeah who'd have thought who'd have thought the nasal spray didn't unstuff your brain who would have thunk it Un- yeah so those are our distractions today so there's that um we're up how many states did i say 36 37 37 i thought it was 36 but did 36 or 37 states we're at now i'm gonna have to update the map later on here and i know we've added another country or two in there and more places within the countries that we have so i've got to update that too new country is the netherlands uh no yes no news no was it netherlands yeah Netherlands. i think yeah. so so we're up to 10 countries included in the u.s now that's fucking awesome we're almost up to 800 plays fuck yeah so that's pretty fantastic too i thought so uh i don't know much else other than that because i haven't been on instagram much i finally got on instagram and did a thing yeah, I did. I was pretty excited. And I snapped it and I sent it to Kendra and I said, look what I did. I participated. Yeah, it was getting cool. So hopefully my brain fog will clear within the next couple of days and I'll be back to being social on social networks. Possibly. Hopefully. God, I hope so because I really, I hate not being able to do that shit. 
She loves you guys. I do. I love you all. And I don't like not being able to interact with people in a manner in which I would like to interact with you. Or be able to research shit. I can't research worth a shit. So that means that my episode tonight is literally just me telling you ghost stories that I got offline, offline, online, that I got from the internet. The internet, the web, the World Wide Web. Now, whether or not these are true, not true, who knows? They're from Reddit. <laughs> we all know how Reddit goes. I mean, you can put anything on Reddit, but I feel, I mean, the first ones are from, they were pulled from Reddit, but published from, or in like Reader's Digest. I feel like they might have a little more weight to them. Yeah. At least these first few. Then the last few are just pulled from Reddit. So take them with a grain of salt. 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 Of salt. <laughs> I'm trying to keep with my spooky themes. Some are just going to do some short spooky ghost stories for you here instead. Yeah. I think that's it right now. All right. I feel like I'm missing something in my introduction, but I don't know what. Were we going to? No, I don't know. I don't know because I still haven't put a new trailer. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for somebody to send me a trailer. Oh, somebody I've been, been I've been binging Truth Lies and Alibis. Oh, because they're nine one one dispatchers. Oh, well, there's like I don't think they're all doing that still, but they're either currently nine one one dispatcher or ex nine one one dispatchers, so they give like a different viewpoint on nine one one calls and whether what the dispatcher did right wrong what the caller did you know why they asked the questions they asked. it's just it's just another viewpoint you know just like um somebody who works for like cps coming in and, and talking about like child cases or somebody from you know a, a forensic side of things looking into like it's just it's they're really interesting to listen to like why they ask what they ask and how they view 911 calls as opposed to like how um a civilian would view it. A civilian might like listen to the recording and be like, they should have been doing this instead. And they're going, no, they're following the proper protocol. Right. If they would have done that, somebody probably would have got yeah, killed or not got to them. Yeah, exactly. You know, or if they're doing something wrong, they'll be like, well, they probably should have done, you know, yada, yada, yada. But anyway, so that's what I've been kind of binging on lately. Sweet. So there you go. Did <laughs> you shout out anyway, even though I don't have their trailer. <laughs> So we're going to start off with a story called The Little Hands. The Little Hands. The Little Hands. That's not creepy. And I'm reading these word for word because obviously they're first person accounts from people. So I'm not using my own words, if that makes sense. I'm reading it as though it's happening to me, even though it's not happening to me. <laughs> I gotcha. Okay. So <clears throat> I've never lived in a haunted house, but my mother did as a teen, writes Reddit.com user patent. Patented space hook. Oh, all right. Recounting a true event. Other houses on her street had strange things going on too. A few homes away from her lived a family. One night, the daughter went to bed with a bad headache. The next day, she was dead. She passed away from an aneurysm. After her funeral, the family went away to get their minds off the tragedy. And the father asked my uncle, my mom's brother, to check on their pets. My mom and dad, who were dating at the time, went with him. My mother had heard there was a grand piano and she wanted to play it. My dad was studying to be a veterinarian, which is why he went along because pets, you know. After entering the house, my uncle and father headed to the basement to see the animals and my mother went to the piano on the ground floor. 
She was playing it when she felt something brush her ankles. She thought a cat must have left the basement and walked past her. She kept playing, and then she felt it again. She looked under the piano and saw nothing. When she started again, she felt hands clasp her legs tightly. Hands, hands. She dashed to the basement door, called my uncle and father, and waited for them. Back outside, my uncle could tell my mom was rattled and asked what was wrong. She told him what had happened, and he turned white. He told her the daughter who had died used to play a game with her father. When he played the piano, she'd crawl underneath, grab his ankles, and push his feet up and down on the pedals. Ah, oh, fuck that shit. <laughs> fuck that shit. <laughs> nah. I'd be like, I'm not checking on those animals anymore with you guys. You're on your own. No. Those are those stories that make, you know, like there has to be some truth because that girl didn't know the story about mm-hmm. the little girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then to experience something like that and then hear the story. Yeah. That's creepy. I got the goosey chills. Oh, you're going to keep getting them. Well, you're going to keep at it. The next one is called The Phantom Patient. The ambulance company that I used to work for had a haunted ambulance. Rig 12 recounts Reddit user Zerbo. 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 A lot of EMTs had stories about it, but I never put much stock into paranormal stuff. That is until I had my own experience with Rig 12. My partner and I were working in a rural community at 3 a.m., and it was pitch dark and completely quiet. We were both dozing. I was in the driver's seat, and she was in the passenger seat. I woke up to a muffled voice, but I thought my partner was talking. I told her I was trying to sleep and close my eyes. I distinctly heard a male voice say, oh my god, am I dying? Followed by a few seconds of heavy breathing. My partner and I sat up straight and looked back into the patient compartment where it sounded like the voice had come from. Things were quiet for a couple seconds. Then we heard the click of an oxygen bottle regulator and a hiss as if it was leaking. I turned on the lights and we ran out of the rig. I thought a transient might have climbed in while we were asleep, so we opened the rear doors. No one was there. I checked the oxygen bottles. Neither was open. We didn't sleep much after that. Not so much, but what were they sleeping on the job or something? Well, I mean, it's just, it's 3 a.m. I mean, obviously, if their thing radio had gone off, they'd wake up. It's kind of like, I think, when nurses and doctors work, like, 12 to 24-hour shifts, they have cots. Oh, okay. Like, their break room. They take naps, and yeah. they're, but they could be easily awakened. I would imagine that the, the ambulances would be haunted, if anything, because there's a lot of people that die inside of those yeah, things. Yeah, but apparently this one is really haunted. Apparently. <sighs> So this one's called the impish ghost. The impish ghost, Mm -hmm. huh? All right. My neighbor Diane and I had a playful poltergeist for years, and we called it Billy. So begins Reddit user Abby Zalabai in her real-life ghost story. I'd come home and find something put in a weird place. Milk in the cupboard, toilet paper in the fridge, laundry detergent in the bathtub. You know. Diane once called to ask if Billy had been around because she couldn't find a gallon of milk. We finally found it outside on her back steps. And sugar. Darn sugar. Every morning, my sugar bowl was empty. When I'd had enough, I would point to Diane's home and yell, Go see Diane! Within five minutes, I'd get a call from her. Thanks a lot, she'd say. He'd gone and pulled shenanigans at her place. This incurred, occurred for the entire two years we lived there. No one believed us, not even our husbands. My mother thought someone was stealing from us when we were sleeping or out of the house. My sister believes something was going on, but didn't know what. I still can't explain any of it. 
That's kind of cute. I know. Go see Diane. Right. Her neighbor. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know how like you told that one scary story with the Brian, one, yeah. the last one. And it's almost like the same thing, except for they took a lightheartedness to yeah. it instead of getting like, all. Go see your aunt. Right. Go see Diane. I wonder if a lot of times people would interact in more like of a positive way. Well, like and I said, not they so feed a... off of energy. Yeah. So like all that negative energy in that last poltergeist story I told, that's what made it so evil. Oh, so positive energy would have like if the dude hadn't broke the damn cat. That's right. what really set that one off. Okay, the eerie attic because attics aren't uh-huh. scary enough. Attics and basements. Yep. That shit. Before Reddit.com user Diggs Dawes, <laughs> I love these. I love these Reddit usernames. Got down to recounting their scariest of ghost stories about living in a place that was obviously teeming with honest-to-goodness members of the spiritual world. They pointed out the irony of ghost stories that begin with the phrase, I don't believe in ghosts, but after all, no matter how a ghost story begins, it always hinges on the notion that, come on, of course we believe in ghosts. A few years ago, I moved into a one-bedroom apartment in Melbourne, Australia, they went on to recall. It was my first time living on my own. The apartment block had been built in the 1930s. I'd been there for a few months when I came home from work one day and went into the bathroom. I saw something strange. A wooden board, which had covered a hole in the ceiling that led to a small attic space, lay fractured in two pieces on the ground. I examined the pieces. The board was an inch thick, and it would have taken Bruce Lee to break it. I thought the landlord had had sent someone to work in the attic. I was frozen stiff with fear. Someone is up there for sure, I thought. I emailed pictures to the landlord asking if anyone had been there with an undertone of annoyance since she hadn't warned me. Her reply read, please call me as soon as you are able to. I called and she explained that her last two tenants had said the same thing happened. She promised to replace the board and she did. So sometimes in like older apartments, you have like an access to the attic and it's just this little board. Like I think mine's in that closet. Mm-hmm. If you open it up, you can kind of see it up in there. So basically, that's the board that had fallen out. Hmm. A month later, I woke up one night around 4 a.m. My body was covered in goosebumps. It felt like someone was rubbing his or her hands on me. Everything was silent, but then I heard a dragging sound coming from above my bed. Hmm. It was as if, if someone was pulling a sack of potatoes. I froze, convinced someone was up there. There is no way an animal can make that sound. After five minutes, I worked up the courage to turn on the light, arm myself with a cricket bat, obviously because they're in Australia, and walk to the bathroom. That's when I saw the new board covering the hole was broken in two. I felt sick. The dragging sound had stopped, but I heard something else whispering. Mm. The sound was clear and coming from the attic. It sounded like children's voices. I could hear one sentence repeated over and over. It's your turn. It's your turn. I switched on every light in the apartment to make things seem normal. It was 5 a.m. and dark outside. I watched TV to try to unwind. Then a fuse blew. Ah, fucking fuckity fuckery. My pet boot budgie bird, in case anyone was wondering. I had to, I was like, oh, okay, it's a bird. (laughs) Dexter, whom I kept in the kitchen, usually never made a sound at night. But he started squawking, obviously, a bird, like he was being strangled. I'd never heard him make those sorts of noises. He was screaming. I grabbed my car keys, ran out, sat in my car, and waited there until his son came up. Did she bring the bird with her? Apparently not. I'd be a little freaked out. Yeah. But just, just wait. 
When I saw people walking their dogs, that comforted me enough to go back in. The front door was open, but I figured I might have forgotten to close it when I ran out. I went to the kitchen to check on Dexter, Dexter, but he wasn't in his cage. I felt sick again. All my windows were closed, so I looked everywhere inside. When I walked into the bathroom, I heard splashing. Dexter was half drowned in the toilet. I took him out, washed him, and dried him. I was so confused. At 8 a.m., I called the landlord and gave her a watered-down version of the night. Oh, wow. You heard the whispering, too, she said? Um, that would be nice to be disclosed with the apartment. But yeah. I stayed in that apartment for another 18 months. Fuck that shit. I heard the whispering on a few occasions, and twice the board covering the hole in the ceiling moved. Although I, lived else although I live elsewhere now, the landlord recently called. She said that her new tenants had begged to speak with me about some of the stuff that's been going on there. Forget it. It's their problem now. Uh, and that's not cool at all. Dude, her bird was half drowned in the fucking toilet. toilet. And she saved, she saved it. He saved it. Oh he, she, and I don't know if it was a girl or a guy, actually. No. Probably a female. I think a guy would have been, like, not so freaked out. Um, and no, I think they would have been. They're, they're, I can, sorry, men, but I can see you guys leaving a bird more than a girl. Yeah, definitely. That's Same. real. So this one's called The Boy With No Eyes. Oh, that's not going to be creepy. No, not, not at all. all. One night when I was 10, I was woken by my bedroom door opening, followed by someone sitting on my bed. Reddit.com user, uh, this really isn't even, Mendo 4 hmm. recalls of a childhood brush with a very persistent ghostly apparition. I felt my leg grazed and bed sink under a person's weight. It's just mom, I thought, and opened my eyes. It was not my mom. I found an eyeless boy. He had black empty sockets about my age sitting at the foot of my bed. He extended his hand and in it was a little box. Mm. I was startled but reached out because you're 10. Somebody gives you something you're going to reach, you know? Yeah, no. He pulled back. I reached again and said, give it. (laughs) (laughs) Why? But then I blinked and when I reopened my eyes, he was gone but I could still see the imprint where he'd sat on my bed. Fast forward five years. My girlfriend came over to do homework. After she finished, she took a nap while she waited for her parents. When they arrived, I tried waking her up. She opened her eyes suddenly, looking up at a corner where the wall met the ceiling. She pointed there and went back to sleep. I shook her again. She came to full consciousness, and I explained what she'd done. She looked haunted. Up on the wall, I saw a little boy with no eyes. He was there in a Spider-Man pose, staring at me. I freaked out and told her my story about the same kid. Fast forward another five years. I was with the same girlfriend, and we had a two-year-old. We were living in my parents' house in my old room. My daughter started waking up at the same time every night, and she'd talk. After a while, I noticed she had almost the same conversation every night. I playfully asked her once whom she was talking to. She said, it's a little boy. He's nice. He's lost and looking for his mommy. My daughter's nightly conversations continued until we got our own place later that year. Huh. Two? She was two? Yeah, but as a two-year-old, I mean, yeah. I mean, I could see her saying that as a two-year-old. My daughter could talk pretty well, too. And they're not going to be freaked out by something like that because they don't know to be they don't know to be scared. Right. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, if you don't realize you're supposed to be scared of that, you're not going to be. And if it's not doing anything to scare you, then mm-hmm. why would you? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's see. 
Crystal's son will not doesn't like sleeping in his room because he says that there's an old man out by the window. Yeah. Yeah. In her house, like she went outside to smoke and this was like a few years ago when mm -hmm. they first moved into the house and Damon was in the living room and he heard something or he could smell something. So he went into the hallway and their back bedroom was on fire. There's nothing in the middle of it, just a fire in the middle of the room. Uh, yeah. yeah. Nope. Oh, it's freaky. Nope. Uh -uh. Okay, so a couple of these I was going to skip over because they're not fantastic. Um, okay, so these next ones are just like really, really short ones. And that are from just like Reddit users. So this one's called The Little Girl. I was camping with my husband and his family at a small remote lake in New Mexico. There were about 10 people in our group and another group of six people in the next campsite. It was nighttime and both groups were doing typical activities, making s'mores, having a few drinks, and telling stories. When we all heard what sounded like a little girl yelling out for help, neither group had children with them, but we were all positive we were hearing a little girl and decided to search the area we heard the noises from. There was a field behind our campsite, and we all saw a very tall, pure white figure standing maybe 100 feet away from us in the field, making the noises. We all agreed this thing looked maybe six feet tall, skinny, and white as can be. We made our way closer to investigate, but whatever it was that we saw started backing off as we got closer, and it disappeared into the trees. All night, we continued to hear a little girl calling for help as we tried to sleep. Look that shit. And that's why I don't camp. Yeah. Mm -mm. And here's a, this next one's the reason I don't work in a psychiatric hospital. Never will I ever. <laughs> the Walking Dead. I'm a psychiatric nurse, and early in my career, I worked at a residential mental health facility. One of our residents was an elective mute, which means that he didn't slash wouldn't slash couldn't talk. But there was no medical reason as to why. He had spoken earlier in his life and, in fact, seemed quite normal back then, with the exception of being close to seven feet tall. He'd been raised in the Deep South and joined the military when he was 19, but one night he had vanished. He was declared AWOL and eventually declared missing and dead. Ten years later, a seven-foot-tall man walked into a VA hospital emergency room in my part of the Midwest and said to the receptionist, My name is Marion Duchene, which is, she said that's not the real name that he actually used, and I've been dead for ten years. Which, that semi can make sense if he went AWOL. Eventually declared dead, he could have been out there somewhere and just happened to walk in. Those were the last words he ever spoke. He was covered with dust and he was wearing the same clothes he'd been reported to be wearing the night he vanished. His social security number had not been used and he had no identification on him. However, they were able to identify him, I guess, by his fingerprints. The family was notified, but they said they had already grieved their lost man and that whomever was claiming to be him simply could not be. They, de they demanded not to be contacted again. Marion paced all day every day, moving his mouth that looked like talking or muttering, but no sound came out. He had an unnerving habit of throwing his head back with his mouth wide open as if he were laughing heartily, but not even a breath could be heard. If I talked to him, he appeared to listen, periodically throwing his head back in a laughter-mimicking way. Various medications were tried, and they did not affect him either positively or negatively. Occupational therapy did nothing because Marion would just grin, and unless told to stay put, he'd get up and start pacing again. On my last day at that job, the last thing I saw was Marion, 
pacing in the parking lot, throwing his head back to laugh. Later, I wondered if all along I'd been dealing with a ghost. All these years later, I still don't know. Huh. It's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, possibility. But the whole staff, everybody? Well, I mean, if they could all see him, and if he was AWOL, they didn't know he was dead. Obviously, he was solid enough. They got fingerprints. And, I mean, a psychiatric hospital, if somebody decides not to talk. Right. That's fucking crazy, man. I did think it could have been a ghost. It's kind of creepy. Just a little bit. Okay. This one's called the unrest stop. I was driving cross country with my mom and sister when I was 16 and my sister was 20. It was late, but we were well rested still and alert. We were driving along an interstate and needed gas and a bathroom break. So we stopped at the only rest stop in 200 miles. There was a van full of teenagers on a road trip at the gas station, as well as a small gray car parked at the pump in front of us with two young men standing still outside of it. When we got there, everything felt wrong. We'd been on the road for days and seen many rest stops at night and had never been afraid until then. My mom and sister went inside and I stayed in the car. I heard the teenagers say they were creeped out and couldn't get the pump to work and they left in a hurry. I was watching the car in front of us and the two men had not moved at all. Not an inch. They weren't talking. They weren't on phones. They were just standing there, still as stone. My sister and mom came running back out to the car and when they got in, the two men slowly turned to look at us while not moving or pivoting the rest of their bodies. And I swear to fucking shit, we all saw the same thing. They had eyes dark as pitch and empty, truly empty, not black, not reflecting any light at all, just a void. We sped out of there and didn't stop till we were in the next city. The worst thing about the entire experience, we couldn't find the place on any map. We knew exactly which spot on the interstate to look, and we couldn't find it on Google Maps or any paper map we had. We even asked locals about the creepy gas station on that stretch of road and got only confused looks. We've traveled on that interstate since, and there is no rest stop. That's freaky. That's I don't like that. That's uh, I know. No. Mm-mm. In air. It came for us in the graveyard. Oh, okay. We were driving my friend's really beat-up Subaru through a massive graveyard. We stopped and walked down a hill and came across a little pond. There was someone sitting on a rock on the other side of the pond. The figure was all black, and we couldn't make out any other features other than the fact it looked like a man who was wearing some old-style top hat. We stupidly waved and shouted, Hi! (sighs) He didn't show any acknowledgement and continued sitting still on the rock. All of a sudden, he jumped to his feet, started running to us on the water and then vanished in thin water or thin air about halfway on the pond. My friends and I screamed and ran back to the car. The car wouldn't start, and we heard something banging on the back of it. It wasn't a constant bang, but every few seconds or so we'd hear it. Nobody was outside from what we could see in the dark, but something was making a noise on the car. I opened my phone and started dialing my mom to come give us a boost, but I had no service. None of us had any cell service. The next 30 minutes were spent trying to get her car started. No banging was heard afterwards, but we felt this heavy pressure around us. Finally, the car started and she hit the pedal to the metal. We sped out of the graveyard so fast. Immediately crossing the gates, all of our phones regained cell service. 
one thing I know for certain is that someone or something was out there and it was not an animal or a human. Mm -mm. Nope. Don't go play it around fucking um, graveyards. Just don't leave nope. them alone. Let them be. Nope. Let them be. Nope. Um, this one's called, it was good to see an old friend. Oh, okay. This one sounds fun. Sure. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's going to be mean. When I was 37, I went to my high school reunion. I flew into the newest, nearest airport and rented a car. The distance was about 35 miles through a very rural and almost abandoned part of the country. About three miles outside of town, I see someone on the side of the road flagging me down. It turned out this was one of the guys I attended school with. Jim, not his name, gets in the car and we start talking. I had not seen him in 20 years, but he still looked the same, maybe a little older. We get to town and I ask him if he wants to come to the VFW and have a drink. He says, no, just take me home. Jim's parents had lived only a few blocks from my grandmother's house, and I turned in that direction, but he said to take him to the outskirts of town. There was a mobile home park out there, and I figured that's where he lived. When we reached the end of the road, he said, just drop me off here. It was good to see you again, and walks off into the night. I go to the VFW and meet, met some of my old classmates. We start to talk. As we were talking about who was coming to the reunion, I mentioned that I had just picked Jim up three miles east of town and had dropped him off. Everyone gets quiet. Even the guy singing karaoke stops and lays down the mic. My cousin goes white as a new t-shirt. Barb, Jim died on that curve eight years ago. Rolled his car. We were all at his funeral, I was told. I started to feel really dizzy, and I went out to the car to take some deep breaths. There on the seat is the local newspaper printed eight years previous containing Jim's obituary. I still have the paper. Holy fuck. Wow. All right. One last one. Forgot the gooseities. The gooseities? Yeah. One last one. The okay. demon's room. That's a good one to end with. The demon's room. Of course. I worked as a forensic nurse in a hospital's lockup unit. We had one older lady who swore she was being haunted and abused by a demon she would call Tiberis. So many crazy things happened while she was on the unit. We'd go into the room, do normal care, leave, and second la seconds later, she'd start screaming bloody murder. We'd run into the room to find her looking like she'd be in a fight with, been in a fight with a boxing champ. Bloody lip, black eye, markings all over her body. No one ever saw her doing this stuff to herself. Things would get moved around the room by themselves. At one point, she was in protective restraints because the doctor thought she was hurting herself. There was no way she could have moved or done anything to herself while in those restraints. But new marks would always appear on her tray, appear on her, and her tray and cart would be across the room. The room was secure, and there was no way someone else was doing this. When we asked her questions, she'd just say it was Tiberis. After she was discharged, we always had trouble with that room. If there was going to be a rapid response or code, it happened in that room. One night, a guard reported lights blinking on and off. It was that room. Damn. Bum, bum. That would no. suck. Now that we got the spooks out of the way. Now we got the spooks. Okay, so on now Thursday. Gonna, what? 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 No, you go. Oh, I was going to do some funny stuff. Okay. What were you going to say? So on Thursday night... Jeremiah left for work, right? And he had come home for lunch at two. I mean, not at two, at 11. And then he left. And like an hour later, I heard this sound that sounded like somebody was like covering somebody's mouth and they're going, Ooh! you're like screaming into a pillow. 
and it sounded like it was coming from upstairs. So I got real freaked out and I was like, what do I do? What if somebody's up there? <laughs> like this is going on in my yeah. head, right? I'm like, I, and they clearly don't know I'm down here and I don't want to like cause alarm or whatever. So I messaged Joy and I'm just like, are you coming home tonight? Cause she had left. Oh. And then I didn't hear anything. And then I heard it again and I tried calling and then it stopped. Well, it turns out it was the fucking dog. All right. The dog was like pissed off because she was gone, but it sounded just like somebody's head was being pushed in a pillow screaming. So that was freaky. I even called Cassie. I'm like, I need you to come over here right now, right now, right now. Like right now, right now, right now, because I'm laying on my couch in the pitch blackness of dark and I feel like I'm going crazy. She's like, April, you're crazy. And Jeremiah came home and it was the dogs. It was just the dogs, but it was fucking freaky as butternutters. I've gotten used to some like creaking stuff in my apartment that I've just gotten used to. Used to. That's why I sleep with like earbuds in. Oh my. Which is probably a bad thing because there was one time, okay, I was asleep and my mom came over in the morning, like, 9 20 in the morning and i was in my bedroom you know passed out asleep yeah earbuds in she had knocked came all used her key came all the way in all the way into my bedroom shook my foot scared the shit out of me i'm like mom what the and she's like well i tried calling you and i knocked and i rang the door i'm like i got earbuds in listening to true crime what are you doing what are you doing to me you remember when the mouse was in the wall and I kept on telling you, I smell something horrible. And you're like, oh, I was the only person that was smelling it forever. Because well, you were the only one down there. Yeah. And TJ and fucking Brandon were like, yeah, with bad spirits. No, like eventually, though, I was like, yeah, that stinks. Well, yeah. But TJ and Brandon were like, it's bad spirits. When there's bad spirits, that's when it smells bad. So I was freaked the fuck out. And I had to stay here all by myself. And I was just so. And then we finally, you know what I mean? That yeah. would That pissed me off. Fucking assholes. Anyways, continue. So now, to lighten the mood before I end this, we're going to talk about some of the world's dumbest criminals. Oh, yeah, I like those ones. Yeah, these ones are fun ones. So these ones I did get off of. On. Again, I'm reading directly from articles that were online because it's kind of hard to paraphrase, like, literal news articles. Um, so this one, I, this one, though, I did label the nicest home break-in, question mark? A couple from Lancashire... Shire. I think I even said that right. You nice. guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Lancashire. Is that in Ireland or something? Uh, crap. It's not, but... Is it in America? No, sounds- it's not okay. in America. Um, so, Lancashire returned from their holiday to discover a burglar fast asleep in their bed. Martin Holtby and Pat Dyson were amazed to find the intruder had done the washing up, bought some food, and even washed his own underwear. <laughs> Lucas Hoy, <laughs> I had to look this up. Hoynovsky, 28, was given a two year conditional discharge in order to pay 200 pounds or about $221 at Burnley Crown Court after admitting burglary. Miss Dyson said it was a bit like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, although he was more like Baby Bear, she added. The retired couple first realized something was amiss when they opened their front door to find their post and newspapers had been moved doormat miss dyson said their house wasn't too tidy when they went away and discovered that hoynovsky who is originally from poland but now lives in leeds i think that's english somewhere anyway leeds had tidied up she said he had made himself some meals washed his socks and underwear and had done a grocery shop miss dyson added he did burn an old saucepan but that happens 
Mr. Holtby said they were not threatened by their uninvited guest. He said, I wasn't frightened, more surprised, and I knew how to take control of the situation. He rang the police, and Hoynovsky was still asleep when officers came to arrest him. Their window cleaner later told the couple he had seen Hoynovsky in the house and presumed he was their grandson. Miss Dyson said she felt fairly sympathetic, although he did break in, but it was neatly done. <laughs> so he went in and washed his underwear and socks, did grocery shopping, cleaned up, and went to sleep. You just needed a home experience, I guess. Pretty much. Oh. Um, here's this next one. Two Welsh tourists who stole a penguin named Dirk from a theme park following a night out have been fined 1,000 Australian dollars or 637 pounds or $706. Just so we cover all bases there. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Reese Owen Jones, 21, and Carrie Mules, 20, admitted the theft when they appeared before Brisbane magistrates. The friends from South Wales broke into SeaWorld on Queensland's Gold Coast, swam with dolphins, and let off a fire extinguisher in the shark enclosure. Oh. The pair were told the prank could have seen them end up in a morgue. <laughs> of course. Jones, 21, and Mules, 20, pleaded guilty to trespassing and stealing and keeping a protected animal, Australia's Department of Justice said. Jones, reported to be a former Royal Marine, and Mules, reported to be a bricklayer, were in Australia on a working holiday visa when the incident took place on April 14th. They got into the animal park, allegedly with an 18-year-old Australian man, after attending a beach party. The two Welshmen admitted snatching a 7-year-old fairy penguin called Dirk from an aquarium before waking up with the flightless bird in their apartment the following day. <laughs> I didn't even remember it. The friend's legal representative told Southport Magistrates Court they meant the animal no harm. They tried to care for it by feeding it and putting it in the shower when they woke up with hangovers. <laughs> oh, no. They later released Dirk into a canal, but were spotted by locals who called police. Dirk was later rescued and returned to SeaWorld unharmed before being reunited with partner Peaches. Oh, my God. Magistrate, letter, the magistrate Brian Cooks was told the tourist actions were immature and stupid, but there was no malice involved. He also heard how they had written a letter of apology to SeaWorld and the Australian public and how they deeply regretted their actions. Mr. Cooks accepted an appeal not to record convictions against the pair and fined them 1000 Australian dollars each. He said, you could have found yourselves in a morgue if you'd gone into the wrong enclosure. Perhaps next time you're at a party, you will consider drinking a little less vodka. Yeah, I get the comment now. I don't know what I would do. I don't. How, who do you call when you wake up with the penguin? I right? know, right? Like, who, what am I supposed to? Who do I call about penguin this? Penguin named Dirk. You yes. took him away from his partner, Peaches. Right? Like, we all black. Well, I've I've only blacked out once, but we black out. And like, what do you do when like you? <laughs> they swam realize, with the, I mean, they swam with the dolphins. They can't even remember it. But then load up a fire extinguisher and the shark enclosure. <laughs> Did they have it all on recording? I'm assuming that's assume. how they would have figured that out. Because oh my gosh. That's great. Here's one. Okay. Bank robber Dean Smith jailed after giving Barclays his address. Barclays is a bank, by the way. Okay. A bank robber who gave a cashier his address 30 minutes before raiding the bank has been jailed. Dean Smith of Treakerkey. <laughs> I actually put these pronunciations, so probably Treakerkey Rhonda Kanintov. And that's the name of the place he's from. 
Okay. And I probably said that wrong, but I really tried to say it right. Went to Barclays to change his address and saw the money in the tills. He said in Mirtha Crown Court, he returned half an hour later to raid the bank dressed in a terrible disguise of sunglasses and wearing socks over his shoes. Smith admitted attempted robbery and carrying a bladed weapon. The cashier refused to give him money and Smith ran away empty-handed. South Wales police quickly tracked him down before tracked him down because he told cashier Catherine Stockton his full name and address half an hour before he attempted robbery. Because <laughs> he wouldn't have to change his address. Yeah. Oh, wow. She could see he was holding a bread knife across his body as he demanded all the cash to be handed over, said Rachel Knight, prosecuting. He was not shouting. He was rushed, but not angry or agitated. He sounded desperate. Miss Stockton raised the alarm by pressing the panic button. <laughs> Smith was jailed for two and a half years. Stephen Jerry, defending, said he told the police it was stupid and he was very sorry, but he was desperate for money. So how did they put the two and two together? That's what I want to Well, because all he came in was wearing sunglasses. Oh, everything else was the same, just yeah. sunglasses, sunglasses and, and socks. socks over his shoes. Wow. With a bread knife. Wow. This is a great this, this is a great one from America right here. Okay. Police in Ossingen, I don't even know how to say that right. No. Anyway, New York, uh -huh. were called to a mini mart where they found Blake Leak 23 trying to break in. They chased Leak through the streets until both cops took a tumble. Too many donuts. Ah. Seizing the opportunity, Leak sought refuge on the grounds of a large building. The building was Sing Sing Maximum Security Prison. <laughs> Where he was promptly nabbed by a guard. <laughs> I'm going to hide here on these grounds of a large building. Never mind Sing Sing Nash Maximum. I think that's a maximum security prison in New York. That's too. great. Good lord. Here's another smart one. Scottish shoplifter Aaron Morrison was picked up after pinching a bottle of vodka from a liquor store. It didn't take Sherlock Holmes to find Morrison, though. His name and phone number were left with the clerk whom he had asked on a date. Oh, wow. These are just wonderful. These are just wonderful. Oh, there's more. For a trio of drug thieves, it was their lucky day. They broke into a home in Silver Springs, Florida, and discovered three jars of cocaine. They took it home and snorted the contents. That's when they discovered that the jars were, in fact, urns, and they were snorting the cremains of the victim's husband and two dogs. Oh, my gosh. It took them that long to figure out it wasn't cocaine. Wow. that's the, That goes to show you a lot of this shit is mental. It's mind over matter. Apparently. You know, like, holy fuckery. Holy <sighs> fuckery. Okay, continue. When Stephen Crane broke into the Ravelli Republic Montana newsroom. I'm sorry, Montana, if I said that wrong. He used the computers to watch porn and check Facebook. Then Craze doused the office with a fire extinguisher, took some candy, and left. It wasn't difficult to find him, however. The police just followed the trail of stolen M&Ms that led to his sister's place across the way. No fucking way. <laughs> 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 yep. That's fantastic. When police in Vancouver, Canada, asked to search Jason Pache for drugs, he was not a suspect. In fact, they were looking for someone else. That all changed when they got a look at how his name was listed on his cell phone. Jason Pache, drug dealer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> some, people, 
<laughs> on his own phone. He labeled himself. Right on. Two men decided a back-to-school event at an office supply store would be the perfect time to do some shoplifting. After all, all the clerks would be busy helping an influx of shoppers. The sale happened to coincide with the annual Shop with a Cop Day. <laughs> when about 60 police officers show up to help children pick out school supplies. Nice. So they continued to steal because you thought that was going to be all right, all right. Okay, we're going to end with this one because this is a great one. I'm going to post have to post pictures of these guys. Okay. Joey Miller and Matthew McNelly. These men were behind likely the worst and least thought out disguises in the history of crime. When committing their misdeed, they didn't use masks, hoods, or baklavas, typical of most criminals, but instead chose to draw on their faces with permanent marker. While it may have made them hard to recognize during the crime, permanent marker is, as the name suggests, notoriously hard to remove. <laughs> which left the men extremely easy to identify when the police were looking for the culprits. <laughs> the dumb, dumb stunt earned the duo the nickname Dumb and Dumber. Nice. And there's some fantastic pictures of their mugshots online that I'll definitely post. Oh, wow. Oh, wait, sorry. I do have one more. Okay. I don't know if it gets any better than that one. It probably doesn't, but I mean, it's still one of those things where it's like, hmm... In 2008, an 18-year-old man named Ruben Zarati attempted to rob a muffler shop in Chicago. After demanding money, he was told that most of the cash was stored in a safe that could only be opened by the manager, who wasn't scheduled to come in until a few hours later. To save himself some trouble, Zarati left his cell phone number for the store to call him back once the manager arrived. No. Of course, the store first called the police and then called Zarati back. When he came back and noticed the police were waiting for him, he engaged in a brief shootout where he was shot in the leg before the cops eventually arrested him. Oh, wow. Will you please just let your manager know to call me so I can come back in and rob yeah, you? I'm going to leave you my phone number. Oh. Just, you better call me when they're here wow. so I can come back. Okay, sir. That's like, his, I'm going to steal this bottle of vodka, but hey, Here's how about a date? Oh. Here's my name and phone number. Wow. So there you go. There's some ghost stories and some world's dumbest criminals for you all. I like it. That was probably the most interesting episode I've ever done. I don't know about all that, but that was a pretty I funny mean, episode. There was a whole lot of stories in that one, though. Yeah, there was. That's good stuff right there. So <laughs> I'll hopefully have something a little better as far as the spookishnessness this later this week. Nisner. Um you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Our email is nocturnaldistractions at gmail.com. We have a Patreon page. We've got some other donation pages. Uh, in the show notes, there will be our link tree link that links to all the other links. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it. I think so, too. Right. All right. Love you, guys. Love you, love you. Bye. Bye.